Happy Sunday, guys. I am very excited today because this is an episode that was in my mind a long time coming. Ever since I listened to the Franchise Story podcast, I fell in love with these guys. Brian Holmes and Eric Van Horn are really a successful duo. They have deep roots in franchising. And I actually found them because on LinkedIn, I think it was Tracy Romer posted about um, a podcast she was on. And Tracy is a co-founder of Shred 415, which is a um, fitness studio just like Barry's Bootcamp that I used to work for as far back as 2013. And Tracy posted that she had been on a Franchise Story podcast and told how her and Bonnie are in the process of franchising. And I thought, wow, I really want to learn about that because I've had really deep experiences with corporate companies' growth patterns and plans. And so, for instance, helping Cafe Nero expand in Massachusetts and beyond was really interesting to me. And I I always wonder how companies expand. And just another example is um, when I started working at Barry's (laughs) Barry's Bootcamp, they were franchised. And now they had, um, or as of the past three years, they were purchased by a private equity company called Northcastle. And experiencing the way that their private equity injection kind of helped them explode was really wildly interesting to me instead of the franchising model. But these guys have really wildly interesting um, experiences with franchising. So um, what they do first and foremost on which, you know on the Franchise Story podcast, which is how I found them, um, I'm going to read a little blurb because they can probably say it better than I can. And this is a podcast where they give you access to stories, mindsets, and lessons learned by high-performing franchisees and the franchise founders behind brands that they vest- invested in. Your hosts are Eric Van Horn and Brian Holmes, as mentioned, and they together are multi-unit, multi-brand franchisees with over 20-plus years of experiences owning experience in owning their own franchise businesses. It's a pretty niche podcast for listeners who want to hear the stories of people who have either used franchising to create businesses that provide them with freedom, control, income, and equity that aren't available in corporate America. So I think it's really interesting because they have both done franchise or been franchisees of concepts that we've heard of, whether it's Liberty Tax or Sola Salons or um, fitness studios that we're all familiar with. So I will say we didn't really get into, besides Liberty Tax, um, the different brands they've each owned. You can listen to their podcasts about their own stories. You can um, hear, you can read about them online. I really just wanted to take their valuable time and learn about them as franchisees and what their mindset is. Why did they choose to go the franchising route versus, because they're clearly entrepreneurs. So why did they choose to do that instead of owning their own concept? And what you're going to learn is ultimately that they are entrepreneurs and they are doing some of their own things now, which is really cool. And it shows that they learned a lot in the franchising industry. So what I want you guys to take from this is number one, what skills and what characteristics you might need to have in order to be a successful franchisee and what makes franchises uh, lucrative and successful. And then kind of just their own habits as family men, as uh, business partners, and as friends. And then they're also clearly creative because they've spent time uh, creating content for all of us to consume for free, which I admire because I'm in that space as well. So 
one of the longest longest intros I've done in a while, but it's because these two deserve it. Um, I want you guys to warmly welcome Brian Holmes and Eric Van Horn. Let's do this. Hey guys, thank you so much for coming on to the Dare to Move podcast today. I'm so glad you could be here. How are you guys feeling? Amazing. Awesome. Good, good. Um, so I did a little bit of stalking, also um, binging your podcast, the Franchise Story podcast. And uh, Brian, you mentioned a book in the podcast about you called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So mm-hmm. today's quote is actually from that book. Um, and it says, the single most powerful asset we all have is our mind. If you can train it well, it can create enormous wealth in what seems to be an instant. And that book is by Richard uh, Kioski. How does that hit you? Yeah. So the biggest thing that like, you know, actually Eric and I talk about all the time is personal development and personal improvement and like how hard we push ourselves um, to grow, um, not only just as, as business owners, but also as uh, husbands and fathers and, you know, friends. And so like that, that's like sharpening that, that uh, skill is really, really important to, to me. Amazing. Eric, what about you? Yeah. I, I mean, we are always talking about how to get better and we just, and, and so anything around personal development mindset um, is, is discussion that Brian and I have, and we have it with other, other friends that we, that we talk with, but it, you know, I was just in, um, in LA at this massive mansion, you know, incredible. I think it was one of the most expensive houses listed recently. And I, it just made me think again, like how small I think now I don't want to have a house that big, but it just, you know, the realm of possibilities or how different people live and what they have and what they do. It just, again, expanded my, uh, my mindset with it. And then just even going from there, from the material things into like what Brian was just mentioning with being a great husband or a great father, you know, it's like there are people out there that have a more thriving relationship than I have with my wife and with my children. And I want to get better at that. So always striving to improve. Wow. And before I go to my typical second question, I just want to ask you guys a follow-up question with that because both of you are clearly passionate about it. So the one thing I'm sure my listeners want to know is when, how do you make time for it? Are there any hacks you have or anything that's just makes it easy for you to stay mindful of personal development? Brian. Yeah. I, th- I think for me, it's like just having a plan for your, your day. Mm. Um, and I think it's really, for me, it's just, it's just that simple. I know that like I, if I prioritize all the, you know, and take the time to write down what I need to do today, then mm-hmm. I can get a lot more done than just winging life, which is something <laughs> yeah. that all of us can fall into sometimes. Totally. Yeah. One of the things that I've done recently is I just did a challenge and Brian's the one who sucked me into this challenge, but, um, and it was, I had to do different things, certain exercise, eat in a certain way and get certain things done during the day. And if I didn't get it done during the day, I had to do it at night. And it, it just helped me kind of reprioritize stuff in my life. The really important things, the things that move the needle, the things that help me personally, I need to get done early in the day. And mm. so I was a guy that was not getting up early and now I'm a 4.30 a.m guy, you know, most of the time. And so sleep has been a huge thing that I've been wanting to get better at and has become a priority for me. So it's not getting up at 4.30. It's making sure I get X amount of sleep. And then I'm just, I am so much more ready for the day in the last probably six months than I was prior to that. 
Wow, I think the listeners are taking some good notes because you guys just gave away some awesome tips on that. Um, thank you. My uh, second question, and this will just be a way for my listeners to really understand why I'm even talking to you guys. I know I dropped the, the word franchise already, so there's a little clue. But the second question I ask all guests uh, is you're sitting on a plane and someone looks at you and says, what do you do? And you have to answer. And I, I started asking this question because I had a hard time with all my different interests. I know you guys have your hands in a lot of things. Sometimes it's hard to describe. So I just love to know how you both uh, define yourselves. Well, um, I've been thinking about that recently because I've had to be telling more people that are outside of my normal network what I do. They're not in the franchise network. So um, my little elevator uh, pitch is I invest in franchise brands and I help other people do the same. Mm. And so I can unpack that a little bit, but that's what I, that's what I do. Awesome. We will definitely unpack that today. <laughs> yeah. So I love to build things. That, that's what I do. Like, oh, I build, I like whether it's franchise businesses or businesses around the franchise space or, or just projects in general, like I, I love to build things. There he goes. <laughs> sure, man. It doesn't Houses. matter. I love, you know me, I love projects. <laughs> awesome. So I, um, I have a pretty kind of cut to the chase question, but before I go there, how did you guys meet each other? So, so we're both, uh, we run a similar franchise or in the same franchise. And then we both got our start in the same franchise opportunity, um, you know, more than a decade ago. So, okay. So now that that's out of the way, um, I want to kind of cut to the chase of, uh, the fact that you're both entrepreneurs, right? You're both, you're both franchisees. That's how you met. Um, how did, how were you guys so convinced that you could do this? And I say that because, um, the investment initially is like the hurdle to, get in. And I think a lot of people get stuck at that fear point of the investment. Um, and so talk to the listeners a little bit about how you just made that big initial leap, because obviously there were probably scarier points later, but getting into your very first one, like what was your mindset at the time, if you can remember? So, uh, Eric here. And when I first started, I was in my twenties, like mid twenties. And I didn't ha I was in a, had started a lawn care company because I didn't want to finish or like go to law school. And so I started up a lawn care company and I, you know, long story short, I ended up getting a quick bit of money by flipping a house on accident. And, and I had to do something with that money. And instead of just spending it on something cool, I, I put it into my first franchise. And at that time it was a pretty easy decision because I didn't have a lot of money. I had a lot of time and I had grit and I, and I had a mentor in it. And so with those three things, like mm. I'm just going for it. And so I just went for it. Now with that said, I also started selling franchises for that company and started to, you know, making six figures when I was pretty young selling franchises part-time. And there was a point when I left that, left the comfort of that job um, and easy money, at least I thought it was easy money. And I moved to do my franchises full time in Austin and to grow those. And so at that time, a lot of people that were doing the same thing, they wouldn't have left that. So mm. it was an easy decision early on to when I didn't have anything to lose to roll the dice on like with nothing to lose. But then I left this, I did leave the security of a job that was paying really well. And it gave me a ton of flexibility to do franchising full time. And even then it wasn't like I was more interested in the results of what it could be and knowing that I will make it work than I was on the downside of it. Mindset. I love that. That's crazy. Awesome. Thank you. 
Yeah, mine mine is pretty simple. I was super young, super naive, 23 years old, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, decided I could own a business. Six weeks later, not even six weeks later, I, I owned a business. <laughs> I owned a franchise and I was, I was rolling. So yeah, just wow. like a bull, just went, went forward. Wow. So I have to admit, I did listen to both of your stories, which um, I love that you guys did that in the very beginning of your podcast. I did that as well with this one because I was attracted to podcasts and I'd be listening to one and and I'd listen to the host and say, who are they? What are they doing? How, what do they have the right to like? So I love, I listen to your stories. I loved your stories. And the one thing that stood out to me and why I asked is you were both really young and I have listeners in their fifties. I have listeners that are 19. So I, I loved the fact that you both did something at such a young age, like that neither of you just brought up that that was an issue for you at the time. So that was just something I wanted to point out. Um, and then the next thing is once you're in it, you've, you've taken the, you've made the investment or you've taken out the loan or whatever you've done to just get it off the ground. What was the first major lesson or eye-opening thing that happened for you guys? Because, um, and each of you individually, because I think, there's one thing to just put money into something and, and be an absentee franchisee. And then to be someone that's all of a sudden owning and operating business and hiring and managing people and managing yourself. It's, it's just a huge responsibility. I remember sitting in the retail location and the first time I turned on that open sign and I'm just remember thinking, is anybody going to walk through that door? <laughs> and then somebody came and actually walked through that door. I'm like, ow, it really does work. But it worked for a little bit. And then my big, you know, kind of aha moment is I need to continually push myself to bring more customers in. So what that looked like, we would go out and we would do marketing. And, if, and I thought like I was, you know, let's just, I was visiting 10 businesses a day and the other people were visiting 50 businesses a day to try to get customers coming in. And then I heard about people doing a hundred businesses a day. And it, it, I just realized like, even though I thought I was doing a lot at 10 or 20 or 50, there was always somebody else that was out hustling me. And if they could do it, I could do it. So I just remember just pushing myself to, to, uh, to new goals, like on a weekly basis. And all of a sudden, what seemed like I was doing everything, I looked back and I was like, I was hardly doing anything back then. So just the hustle and the, and um, always pushing myself to do more. Wow. Yeah, when I started, I just jumped in completely over my head. Um, you know, I, I bought like an existing franchise location right before tax season in the tax business. And right before, I mean, like at the start of the tax season. And so I, I just had to like survive a little bit, um, without the kind of the normal, like lead up to the, the business opening. Um, and so I, there really wasn't a whole lot that came from that other than I was just willing to put in the work and put in the time. But the, the biggest aha was probably a couple years later, a revelation is, is that, that when I realized that my lack of performance was not anybody else's fault other than my own. Like if there are successful people within your franchise uh, system and you're not successful, you're the problem. Wow. That's the, the brutal, honest truth, right? I, I love that. Um, did both of you uh, have an early epiphany that you wanted to own more than one or did that come later or grow? Yeah. I, I bought a three unit development agreement from the, from the, from the get-go. So I, I had to open more than, more than one location. Yeah. Same here. I opened up more than locate one location my first year. So it was, yeah, hundred percent. Did you feel 
Um, did you feel like you had momentum because you had that plan to do more than one? Because I think that um, for someone maybe going into looking at franchising, they don't even realize that that's an option, right? They're like, oh, I'm going to franchise something. Maybe they haven't even expanded their mind to think that like maybe you do five or whatever. So if, if the franchisor goes to them and says, hey, do you want to buy three or I'll give you a deal on five or I'll give you a deal on seven, what, um, what did it feel like having – this, this intention of three and then with opening each store, did you find your, this is a two part question. Did you find yourselves comparing your stores or predicting performance and then being wrong on the predictions or did you find the modeling pretty easy to figure out? So I think, so one of the reasons that when I look at a franchise opportunity, I look at multiples um, and, and, you know, at this point, I only would buy something that's multiple and like kind of significant. So, mm-hmm. oh, you know, five or six um, yeah. is kind of the kind of minimum in an opportunity for me at this point is like, I, I don't actually want a job like in a single unit opportunity. Um, in a lot of cases, it can just become like a job and I want a business that's going to be able to sustain an actual full-time, you know, manager, mm-hmm. um, and, and scale that way. Uh, as far as like comparing location to locations, they, they almost are always unique. Um, you know, you have like a benchmark of like minimum performance that they should be mm-hmm. able to achieve, but they, they do tend to be different. So. Yeah, hundred percent agree with Brian on that on staffing. It, you know, if you get three, you can it, you have some redundancy in staff, and that makes it a lot nicer. There's some risk in that because you need to grow faster. You need to have more capital. So if if people, what I tell people that are looking at buying franchise, if you can afford three, it's probably you know there's a lot of reasons to do that. Um, if they align with kind of what your goal is, the other thing is real estate. If you're in the um, a franchise that you need a physical location and you buy basically a larger area, three units that you're going to place and you have more flexibility on where you place that first one and the second one and the third one and strategically around each other. And you have more data after you open up that first one on where your customers are coming from. So you can kind of try to strategically place the location number two and so on and so forth. Awesome. Excellent advice. I think I, I, what, I was so curious as to, I know you guys have, are probably far removed from that now, but those initial inclinations of hungry to grow, expand, and, and you guys were thinking big, it sounds like really early on. Um, so when it comes to brands, what do you guys, because we'll get into this in a little bit, but you guys do a lot of advising on this. I mean, that's essentially too what your podcast is, is teaching people about this, this industry. And I think um, there's a lot that goes into choosing the right brand. I think there's people that fall in love with a business and they want to, they want to own it. They want to, they want to do that. And there's people who just want a business. And then there's people who want something like that's guaranteed to print money. And there's people who maybe want a hands-on experience with the founder. And a friend of mine, um, she's been on this podcast, the CEO of Pure Glow Tanning. It's an organic um, uh, sunless tanning place. And she's just getting into franchising. It's very exciting. Um, And so I would just love your take on how people should be looking at brands based on um, the, this, the ultimate success, right? Which is making money and the ability to expand and everyone's going to have different things, but what do you coach someone who doesn't know anything about choosing? One of the, I was just finished a podcast with a, with a guest and I was talking to him about this and he had one success and one failure. And some of the things that he realized through the failure is it was very employee intensive. It had a lot of moving parts to it. And, and he said it didn't have a good return on his time. Mm-hmm. And 
Like I, it was a fun business to have, he said, and I had a lot, my friends loved me owning it because I could, you know, comp them this and comp them that they would have a blast. And so he's like, I was living like a King with, you know, my, at least my friends thought so. And he was super popular, but um, at the end of the day, it wasn't really making money. And he's like, this is not fun. And mm. a lot of people, they want to, they initially th get into a business or think about getting into a business that they would really enjoy. They can see themselves doing. And uh, I see that as a big mistake. Now they might find a business that has that and has the other attributes that they want. Uh, I think what a lot of people need to think about is like, what is their involvement going to be in the business? Mm. How, who are they going to be managing? So a lot of it comes down to employees, how, what kind do you want to manage? What, um, if there's a lot of employees or a few employees and are they the types of employees that you want to manage? Because at the end of the day, that's really what you do as a business owner is you manage people. And if, you know, some of the businesses that both Brian and I like are businesses that allow you to hire a higher level manager, because I would prefer to manage somebody that is higher level. I can, I can ask them some questions. I can give them some advice and they run with it knowing that they may or may not make some mistakes, but they're okay with that versus me having to tell them what to do every single hour of every single day. Wow. That's amazing. I hadn't thought about the employee side of it. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I definitely second, uh, you know, everything that, that Eric said right there is, is you really just need to understand what drives the business. You know, is it a heavy people business? And that's what you're going to be spending all your time as like hiring, recruiting, training, developing people. Or, and, or is it something that is, you know, what's the unit, unit economics, you know, and, and how does it all work? And is it a business that you want to own? I don't think that, uh, having a passion for the product is an essential component, just understanding how the, the business works. And at some level, I would say having a passion for the product isn't necessarily a positive. It's interesting. I was going to ask you that. Um, I think, yeah, if you're, if you're in love with it, sometimes you might not uh, look at the data as uh, objectively. Um, question for you both. Um, what would you say to someone who right now feels like they're walking a tightrope between owning their own business and owning a franchise? I mean, in a lot of ways, having a podcast is like a business and you guys like with your franchise coaching and, and almost like brokering, Eric, you know, you're partnering people, that's your business. What do you, what do you think is the standout difference um, in your experience as a human day to day from being a franchise business owner or um, owning your own concept? Yes, that's actually a perfect question for me right now. I have um, what I do spend most of my time in day to day right now is actually not a franchise business. It's a business that supports franchises, but it's not a franchise. And then um, versus, you know, the franchise businesses that we do own. Uh, and to me, the biggest difference is do you want to figure it out from zero? And if you want zero, then you should start your own thing. Um, mm -hmm. Because it's a completely different challenge. If you want to run an existing proven play that's what franchising is for you um and there's decisions that you make in an entrepreneurial experience that you have within franchising but it's just not the same as like hey i want to start this business now what mm, got it anything uh, um no i just i mean brian said it all there he's i mean franchising is you're you're getting them you should be getting a metro now not all franchises are created equal um, there are some that are just, you know, they're not ready. They're not, they don't have their systems dialed in. They don't have the right leadership, you know, but we're talking about the ones that have that. 
and have franchisees that you want to be like, that you can see yourself being friends with them. And so if you, it's all about collapsing timeframes to success. And so they have the right leadership and they have the right other franchisees that are ahead of you in whatever, whatever the business is. Um, then it's up to you to form those relationships and to take advantage of the mentors and the people around you to achieve success faster, collapsing timeframes. Wow. I like that a lot. Um, before we move on to um, your guys' podcast a little bit more, um, what brands stand out to you? What stories do you guys carry with you about brands and their expansion plans or whether they're uh, brands that have around forever or emerging concepts that you just are really, um, I don't know, attuned to right now and, and really um, admiring? For me, it's the, it's the health and fitness and beauty space. Uh, and a lot of people initially have a, a negative reaction to that because they put their own thoughts and their own preferences to whatever brand it is. And so there's a million brands out there in fitness right now in franchising. Mm -hmm. And some of them are incredibly successful. Like if you knew the numbers that they actually did, you'd be completely shocked. You're like, how can they do that? And then there's another, you know, that could be a very similar brand on the outside. It looks, it looks like almost identical, but the financial results are completely different. Um, so you just have to be careful on what brand you're actually going to, to, uh, to join because they look the same on the outside. And if you have, uh, if your opinion is that they're all going to be a poor performer because it's fitness, you're going to miss out on some great opportunities. And, uh, and you know, the vice versa is also, uh, is also, uh, held true. So fitness and what I like about fitness and other brands like that is it's recurring revenue. So you have customers coming in, they're paying, they're paying you every month and it's your job as the owner to make sure they have a really good experience. And so that's really your staff at the end of the day. But that's one of the things I like about the fitness industry. The other thing that I like about that business is people, the customers generally enjoy coming in. Mm -hmm. They, 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 they come into and they do the exercise and they leave feeling really good. And most of the time employees really enjoy work in there. So I like businesses that, that have great customer experiences and employees actually enjoy working there as well. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I don't necessarily have any love for any specific energy in industry. Like, yeah, we have, I have based franchises and, um, and I've had tax based franchises. Um, I, I think what's really impressive to me, like the more I dig into like the franchise, like building a brand is like what it actually takes for a franchise concept to get to a hundred plus open units. Like that, that is an amazing, absolutely yeah. amazing feat. And like any brand that, that accomplishes that I, I applaud, you know, it's easy to sell, Today, it seems to be fairly easy to sell a large number of units, but actually mm -hmm. getting them open and keeping them open, that's, a, that's an amazing you know, thing that teams accomplish. Yeah. yeah, as someone with deep roots in the fitness industry as an instructor, I love that, um, Eric, that you brought up fitness. And I also admire the various strategies. So for instance, I work for Barry's Bootcamp currently as an instructor. Oh, yeah. Uh, but they took the flag uh, planting approach in these mm -hmm. huge cities and they were franchised and they get a P injection and then now they're, everything's corporate. And I got to experience the effects of that, of, mm -hmm. of being an instructor and seeing the way th we did things change, but not too much. It was a very delicate dance. Um, but then you have, you know, Orange Theory that's growing just 
you know, everywhere that <laughs> they can. Um, and from the real estate uh, background that I have, it's interesting too when you see which broker is working with a group or they're working with one person and how that can almost inhibit the growth because of the competition for real estate and, and figuring out those territories. So I find this um, fascinating. Do you think that there is any type of a bubble around fitness or no? Brian, what do you think? I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that there is, I don't think there's really much question in my mind that there is uh, a bubble and, you know, franchising or just in fitness in general. Yeah. So then Eric, how would you coach franchisees? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I would agree with Brian and I think it goes back to the brand, right? Mm -hmm. There's always going to be somebody that wins. You look at the massage space and massage mm -hmm. first to market and they, they, they crushed it. And there's other spaces where um, people are second or third to market and they actually do better because the first or second to market didn't outperform and they didn't continue to keep their foot on the gas and orange theory is definitely keeping their foot on the gas. I know I have, you know, friends that are on the inside there and I know what they're doing, how they're innovating. And that's a, that's a solid brand to be reckoned with, but there's a, but if you lump fitness into just orange theory, there's so many other other areas of fitness from the transformational boot camp type things to more experiential mm -hmm. um, to like you know narrow focused on one specific exercise and modality there there's a lot of different uh, a lot of different areas that you can go and so i think the danger is just lumping fitness as a bubble um, there's going to be True. probably multiple bubbles within yes fitness. and you just that's why it's so important to align yourself with the right brand mm. I love that. I think that's um, both of you very well said. Um, I'm curious to know when and why you guys decided, decided to start your podcast. Um, I'm a huge believer in it as a networking tool, storytelling tool, and just spreading good energy, um, sharing information. So what was the impetus? I think it was Brian. Brian's always like, Hey, Eric, I got this great idea. And then I'm always like, I'm in even before I know what the idea is. Like, I, I think that's how it started, but yeah, yeah we were at better um, than me. Yeah. We're at digital marketer traffic and conversion summit uh, in San Diego I don't know, two, two years ago. And um, both Eric and I have benefited a lot just from being consumers of podcasts. And like I've listened to tons and tons and tons hours, hundreds of hours of podcasts. And we, we love talk about talking about franchising. We talk about it all the time with, you know, with each other and, and yeah. our friends and like, it, it's what we do anyway. And we've thought like, man, I wish that these, I could have had access to these conversations earlier. You know, like when I was in my first couple of years of franchising, how beneficial would that be? And we're like, all right, well, let's, let's start a podcast. Obviously we didn't know how much work it was going to be and what we were actually committing to at that point <laughs> in time. But yeah, that's what, you know, that's, the, that's why we did it. We wanted to share our experience and our knowledge with other people. So. Yeah, and the surprise out of that was is like how helpful it was to people and how people would come up to me at different events and Brian and, and, and talk about, they act like they know us because, yes. because of the podcast. And I think it's because we put out real, just truthful information. We don't, we don't try to position like franchising's the most amazing thing in the world. We're just very honest about the good things and the hard things. So it's really helpful to people. And I think it's refreshing for the audience to hear that type of truthful, just honest, authentic feedback from us and, and our guests. So the, but the most surprising thing is like how many people like started to get to know us as a result and how easy it, 
easy it was in terms of a networking thing, like you mentioned, for us to have guests on that I never would have a relationship with if I didn't have a podcast. And that's been, you know, that's been a really cool thing that I was not expecting. I love that. And uh, people ask me a lot, you know, how do you, how do you get your guests? And I always have like some random story about someone who connected me to someone or something I heard or a podcast I listened to. So um, what has been your strategy? Have you guys just connected with your immediate network? Have you run into people? What's it been like? I, you know, usually it's like, hey, we need to get a podcast out next week. We need to hurry up and find a guest, and so we go out and find somebody. We're like, hey, who are we hit up for the for the for the show yet? But yeah, like as as we go into like, you know, we just finished on October twenty first. That was like our and you know year anniversary of our podcast. And I think we had you know fifty six episodes on it at that point in time. And a weekly podcast, as you know, or or I think you have even do multiple times a week. Sometimes is that is it, it does take a lot of work. And so going into um, our season two, I think we're gonna have a more strategic, you know, um, yeah. perspective and bringing in, you know, guests that we really, really are excited to speak with and and, and interview. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. It's gonna be, take a lot more effort, but we're excited about it. Because we awesome. said, if this stops becoming fun, then we're yeah. going to stop doing it. And we don't mm-hmm. want to stop doing it, but it did become, it started to become work. And so how do we make it not work, make it enjoyable and have a ton of value for the, for the listeners. And so mm-hmm. I think we have a, a good strategy moving forward. That's awesome. I think, you know, I, I, I can speak from my experience of listening to your podcast, how much it got my wheels turning and it answered questions I didn't even know I had. And I, I think your content is amazing. And, um, and just the general thought of saying, Hey, I'm going to do this till it's not fun anymore. I kind of had the exact same thing. I started mine last December and I'm, I'm, at a very similar part uh, point. So I deeply relate to that. And as you guys think forward and you think about having families and not trying to be like, you know, crazy, crazy busy, but doing that, doing what you do, what is the next big thing for you guys um, separately and, and with this podcast and um, moving, taking the experience of franchising forward? Like, what are you going to take with you? What's your, what's your, what are you looking forward to? Well, with the podcast, um, we're probably going to have fewer episodes and and uh, guests on there that are more high profile guests, and then we can um, have interviews to them, ask them the questions that would relate to our audience. And the same with uh, from the franchise founders to franchisees that most people don't get access to, and we want to give them access to that. And it might just last for for season two of the podcast, and it may be mm-hmm. something that we continue, can continue on. We're just not sure yet, but that's the direction that we're going because we put it out to our audience. Like, who would you want to listen to? Like, if you could listen to anybody, who would it be? We got some really interesting people, and they're not going to be easy people to get as guests, but we're always up for a challenge. Um, what's next for me this next year? I'm uh, starting, I'm becoming a franchisor. So I have a service-based franchise that I'm, uh, that I'm a, in a partnership group that we're acquiring. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting to uh, dive into things in the franchisor end. And then I'm starting a mastermind for franchisors with a friend, Bedros Koulian, who runs a lot of different masterminds and is a Fit Body Bootcamp uh, founder. And so he and I are helping franchisors do what Brian was just saying earlier. It's really hard for franchisors to get to that 100 franchisee open mark. And that's what we want to do. And we want to help franchisors get there. 
he's uh, spent, lost a lot of money by doing things the wrong way. And I've been on phone calls and I've heard a lot of different people that are into franchising. And I'm sure your friend with, uh, with the, Pure glow. With, yeah, with the organic just, spray tan, I'm, I'm sure she's experiencing some things like she, I wish I would have known. And I've been on a number of phone calls in the past week and there's so many people have made so many mistakes that can easily be avoided. And Vaders and I are going to help people uh, avoid, we're going to help them avoid some of those mistakes. Amazing. I will, I'm going to put her in touch with you because that, um, that sounds like something she'd love. I'd love it. Okay. Yeah. So, so for me, like we're, you know, building a marketing agency that's called franchise ramp that serves franchisors and franchisees and helps them, um, you know, grow their businesses. And and that's where I spend most of my time. It's been a, a, been a ton of fun. Like we're growing like gangbusters. Um, like we're like, we're going to hit like 20, we're going to, increased 20 times between last year and this year, which is pretty, pretty wild. So that's where I spend most of my time. Amazing. And, um, I have two more questions for you guys. Um, with, Oh, I love, no, I love this. The fact that you guys are entrepreneurs through and through, you know, you started young, you started before you had families, you're still entrepreneurs, you're doing so many different entrepreneurial things. So what advice would you give to people who are going to be on that entrepreneurial rocket ship while also trying to start a family and, and being present there? I'm dealing with this real time. I was uh, for a while, I was living the four hour work week. I was working four hours a week. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> He's not lying. And, and, uh, and then, uh, Brian, we were at trafficking conversion in San Diego. And he's like, are you like not doing anything? Are you not stressed about something? Don't you have things to do? I'm like, no, I worked my four hours this week. And then that all changed. <laughs> and I started to get involved with more businesses. And then, so the last, so this is a good question for me because I've, I, this last year I have worked a lot and I, and I'm very intentional with my family, but I've worked more than I wanted to. Um, and I've been doing some fun, cool stuff and the businesses are, 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 you know, and they're heading in the right direction. But for next year, I'm, uh, limited my travel to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, trips a year, I mean a, a month. And that even maybe a vacation that counts as one trip. So I'm trying to stay within the, that, within that, um, I am, uh, implemented, there's a book called the family boardroom. And mm -hmm. so it is like intentional time with your family as a, as a group. And then like yesterday I picked up my youngest at lunchtime and we had a daddy daughter date and part of it wasn't just the date, but it's the buildup to it. Like when your kids and going to Christmas, have Christmas morning, like it's not just Christmas morning. That's exciting to them. That's a whole month of Christmas. My kids are dealing with it right now. It's like Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. So it was like that for her with this date. She was thinking, Oh my gosh, I can't wait. Like all her friends at uh -uh. school knew about it. And I picked her up and we went swimming in a pool that was freezing and <laughs> I'm doing this. no electronics around and just really focused on her. And, um, at the end of it, she's like, dad, now when can we go on a trip? I want to go on a trip. I want to fly in an airplane with you. But, um, it was just really cool. And then one of the things that I did is I took a couple pictures of us as we were doing things. And then I, um, transcribed like my voice, uh, into the app Otter so I could um, just remind myself of what I did and what I loved about that. And I'm going to take all of those um, voice transcripts and, and the pictures and put them into like a journal for her and give it to her at some point when she's older. So, um, so it's those types of things that I'm learning from other people. There's other people that are way further along than this and I'm just learning and stealing ideas from them and starting to do it. So um, 
just knowing like making family a priority is, you know, even though at times in the grind of the day, it doesn't always feel like it always seem like it, but that being the motivation of why I do what I do. Amazing. I love that. Thank you for sharing. So I think if you're trying to accomplish anything, whether it's be a better, you know, father, business owner, husband, I, th- I think a key component of it is elaborate your peer group um, and surrounding yourself with people who either push you to, to be those things or who are doing it better than you are. And that's, mm-hmm. you know what, that's one of the best things about Eric and I's relationship is we're, we're constantly pushing ourselves mm-hmm. to, to be better. And then, and also the people around us, like we, <laughs> we drug a bunch of other people into the, the challenge that we, that we started. And so what it, was this challenge? I have to, you have, the, now you have to tell the Yeah. So, you know, Andy, Andy Frisella, the MSC I know. Yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm, Andy has a, a challenge called the uh, 75 hard. And so, so we did that. And okay. Yeah, wow. it was, yeah. It was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. And we, I, I don't know, was there seven people that we at least got to start? No, not very many people finish, but um, we got a lot of people that at least start and push themselves. And I, and I think how you can elevate your, your, sphere of influence today is, is amazing. Like, you know, when, when I got started in business, we didn't have podcasts the way that we do today. Like YouTube didn't, wasn't what it is. And so, you know, you, it doesn't necessarily have to be the people around you, but like both uh, Eric and I have participated in mastermind groups. Those are an amazing way to elevate your peer group. Like there's just so many, so many ways to do it right now. So. Amazing. You just kind of segued me into my final question. Um, so you guys have given amazing advice and I really appreciate your time. And so I, I, I'm wondering if there's anything that you've kept with you that a friend, a mentor or um, a franchisor ever taught you or a lesson, whether it's from your grandfather or peer, just some advice that you've always held on to. Yeah, for me is, is something that my dad modeled for me when I was, um, I think I was in grade school, late grade school, maybe in junior high. And he made a choice to start staying home or coming home early from work. He owned his own business. And so when you own your own business and you kind of are self-employed, it's easy to continue to work because that's providing food and, you know, the lifestyle for a family. But he chose to like come home sooner. And that way, like he was home when I was done with school many times. And I just remember that being a choice for him. He never said, this is what I'm doing or whatever, but it was, you know, looking back, it was a conscious choice that he made. And so this goes in, that's had just a profound impact on my life and just about choices that I get to make and the little ones or the big ones, whatever it is, like, I'm always thinking, am I making the right choice here? And so even just like with, with, you know, these dates that I do with my girls and my wife and, you know, it's like, I just, need to be aware of the long-term game in all of my choices. Wow. Thank you. Very powerful. Yeah. You know, mine's actually fairly, fairly recent. It's, you know, through a conversation that I actually had with, with Eric and, and it's understanding other people's perspective in a situation. Like I, I'm notorious for really just like pushing hard and only understanding my own perspective of something and being aware that there's an other side to any situation is incredibly powerful for me. Wow. I hope yeah. people are taking notes. <laughs> and he continues to, you know, I helped him with that. And then he like threw that back at me and his like, Hey, remember our conversation about perspective and has thrown it back at me. And we just kind of toss that back to each other at this point, but it's so powerful when you can do that. And um, yeah, it, it's super powerful. It's just having a friend like Brian and I are friends. I mean, it find a friend like that, that you can, um, just push each other and help each other. It's been amazing. 
Awesome. I love that. I love all of your advice, you guys. It's been really interesting. I think the listeners are going to get a lot out of it. Um, before I let you go, um, could you just share verbally where people can find you? I'm going to put everything in the show notes, but that way they can hear it. Whether it's Instagram, your websites. The easiest way to find uh, me, uh, Eric here, is Facebook um, or FranchiseSecrets.com or ILoveFranchising.com. Yeah, the easy place to find me is at, at franchiseramp.com um, or you know Facebook or LinkedIn. So. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Have a great rest of your week. It was really amazing to connect with you. And um, I'm sure I'll talk to you again uh, online and I'll send uh, my friend from Pure Glow your way. Awesome. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks guys. Talk soon. Welcome to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood, and I'm not your life coach, just a girl who never gives up.